Let's get away for the weekend, people. Let's get out of here, man. Well, not yet. You got to listen to How's It Growing first. This is How's It Growing every Wednesday, 11 till noon, right here at KZUM Lincoln, your community radio station. We connect you with gardening information, cool events taking place, and I guess we're not short of cool events. We're going to talk about the uh, annual Nebraska Forest Service Forest Fest coming up today with Aaron Clare. Aaron's going to be calling in. Oh, in around five minutes, something like that. Talking about the uh, the big event coming up this Friday already. Here it is, September, people. What a trip, huh? How time flies, and we're all sick of the heat, and we're all sick of this no rain business. On this September 7th, we're supposed to be in the, well, I think they said around 90 today. Mid-90s tomorrow with the 25-mile-an-hour wind. So that ought to dry things out even more, right? I'm sure there'll be a fire danger out west. So my, oh, my, man, just do your rain dance, pray for rain, whatever you can do to bring it on. Man, we need this cycle to break, but it ain't breaking anytime soon. I didn't check to see how far below normal Lincoln is before I headed into the show. I'm curious. Uh, last time I looked, oh, gosh, it was a month ago or so. We were only two to three inches below normal. Now we're probably uh, more like five to six, something like that. You can start talking real drought with me when we're around nine inches below normal. Then it gets serious. It's already serious, I understand. And many areas in Nebraska are, you know, 10 inches plus below normal. So pretty, pretty bad drought that we're experiencing. But here in the Lincoln area, people, it could always be worse, right? All right, before Aaron calls in, I wanted to quickly uh, we'll let you know the Nebraska State Red Arboretum is having a plant sale this Friday from 12.30 until 4.30, and then Saturday from 9 until noon on UNL East Campus. You can go to plantnebraska.org to the events calendar for info there. And, uh, yeah, so that's going on this uh, this weekend. Looking forward to that. And uh, let's see. Oh, and I did want to do a quick plant spotlight. I want to put it a spotlight on one of the best herbs you can actually harvest and preserve, dry, make for teas. It makes a bit of tea, but it's still a very healthy tea. And that is our state flower, the goldenrod. You know, solidago, the scientific name means to strengthen. And uh, man, I tell you what, uh, goldenrod is all about strengthening. It lights up the landscape when it starts to bloom, and if you notice, pollinating insects are all over them, including these black beetles called click beetles and then the soldier beetles, um, and, of, of course, numerous butterflies, bees. Everybody wants a piece of the goldenrod, and I think a lot of people think, well, they know fall's coming. Actually, I think they're clamoring over that plant because of the uh, health benefits, the uh, the good stuff that's in it. Um, you know, the um, a- antioxidants are key to staying healthy with us humans. Well, I have a feeling they have some good stuff to do with insects, too. They, You know, antioxidants protect your cells from oxidative damage caused by free radicals, which has been linked to many chronic diseases. And goldenrod is full of antioxidants um, with concentrations ranging as high as seven times that of green tea. And maybe you've been on the green tea kick. Maybe you've uh, read reports on green tea. Well, that's because green tea has been studied. It has been the subject of many studies. It has been shown to have many health benefits. That's why, well, green tea is popular, right? But uh, especially the ability to reduce the risk of chronic conditions because the green tea is high in antioxidants. But did you hear me? Goldenrod has seven times that of green tea. But get this, there aren't such detailed studies on goldenrod yet. 
but one of its antioxidants called rutin has demonstrated potential anti-cancer properties. So go figure. One of the most powerful benefits of goldenrod is its ability to reduce inflammation and pain. It's frequently infused into oils and used topically in salves and creams for sore muscles, injuries, arthritis. Sounds like a tincture we need to be making, and we will. So I tell you about goldenrod because the Canada goldenrod is uh, kind of an aggressive guy. That's the road ditch goldenrod that you typically see. It Now is the time you want to go out and harvest that goldenrod when it's about a third in bloom of that 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 little spike uh, that comes off of a goldenrod flower there's individual flowers within that spike and then you can if you look closely there's buds versus open flowers and you want to get it when the flower's about a third open grab the tops grab the uh, top of the leaves and uh, dry that very well before you bag it up and save it for tea it's a good stuff maynard all right i have a caller online this is aaron claire from the nebraska forest service aaron is the properties manager for the nebraska forest service aaron can you hear me now yeah can you hear me i sure can are you on the road yeah i'm almost to horning about a i don't know a mile away here i've had some interesting calls Aaron. uh oh this one fellow i was talking to uh, chance uh with the game in parks last week he was calling from his truck too he was down in uh oh rock creek station t- calling from a prairie and then i had another dude calling from i don't know he was in a prairie area down in southeast nebraska once so join the club <laughs> so, <laughs> it's well, a good place to be yeah yeah well i appreciate your time today and uh, i know it's a busy time of year and you're busy this week and it's a busy week and you're probably wondering why did i say yes to being on the show well because it's forest fest week right aaron oh heck yeah there's yeah i always love being on your show bob so yeah and uh looking forward to forest fest this week and uh too cool. So, uh, okay, so tell us, give us an update. Uh, the, the Nebraska Forest Service has been doing this Forest Fest. I want to say this is, is this year three or four? I want to say we first started, brought it back in maybe 2017. So we did 17, 18, 19. So, yeah, I guess this will be our, our fourth after a couple-year hiatus yeah, due to yeah. the old COVID. Yeah, that's what I was getting at, folks, is uh, it's back in person. And this is an outdoor event, so come on, man. It's uh, going to be completely safe, uh, so no worries there. And, Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, I think in 2019, the last year of Forest Fest before COVID shut things down, I mean, there was there was quite a few folks that showed up, right? Yeah, we had close to 900 people out here at the farm, and uh, we'll see what we get this year. Wow. Expecting... A good turnout i would think people are interested in getting out and doing some things especially out at a neat place like horning state farm yeah folks so this is uh, for visitors of all ages and you'll find a wide array of uh, nature-centric activities at this year's forest festival this friday september 9th uh, this is a event hosted from 4 to 8 p.m so you'll put the sun down right aaron <laughs> yeah yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens then when the sun goes down? What happens after dark? Well, then folks uh, will have to move on to what other activities are going on around the area. I think Plattsmith has their harvest festival going on as well. Uh, I'm not sure how late that goes. But uh, for us, yeah, we'll be kind of shutting things down and uh, yeah, saying goodbye to all the folks that came out and helped us uh, put on this event. 
Yeah, because I think sunset is right around eight o'clock, something like that, right? So you basically yeah, like uh, like eight thirty or something. Is, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, you'll be able to put the sun down on a beautiful Friday evening. Did you? I didn't look ahead of the forecast. I know. There's a front moving in. Saturday is supposed to be like, whoa, you know, uh, 20 degrees mm-hmm. cooler than today, I think. But uh, Friday is kind of that transition day where I think we're still going to be pretty warm. And uh, have you watched the forecast to see if, if rain's going to hold off until, I, did I just say that rain, uh, the word rain? I don't, <laughs> you know, maybe you'll make it rain, Aaron. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, what's the forecast from what looking I've like? Seen, yeah, from what I've seen, uh, 85 and... There's a chance of rain maybe overnight, Friday night. So we gotcha. should be dry here. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Plattsmouth, somehow they keep getting little bits of rain here. They were getting an inch. Uh, they got an inch last week somehow, and so I'm kind of jealous of them. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, speaking of, of rain and, and things like that, you know, I belong to a group on Facebook called Nebraska Mushroom, and I keep seeing posts of people finding uh, my favorite oyster mushrooms. And I'm like, What? You know, so we actually went out Sunday, didn't find any. But anyway, that's because those people like Plattsmouth keep getting like inch of rain, right? And then, uh, yeah, here come the mushrooms. <laughs> those stickers. <laughs> yep. Well, anyway, I'll keep looking. But uh, yeah, so anyway, Aaron, I appreciate your time today. We have uh, uh, other activities. So what kind of activities are taking place at Forest Fest? Well, um, I know that uh, our conservation education coordinator, Jack Hilgert, has reached out to all kinds of different um, uh, nature-based folks. So, like, we have the game for one. I know we have the game in parks. We'll be here having a little archery range for for people to shoot some arrows. Uh, We'll have a uh, tree climb for people to get up in some ropes in the trees. Cool. I think Wildlife Encounters will be here, if that's the right name. Mm-hmm. I've been so focused on just getting the property ready. I, <laughs> I don't have the list of people in front oh, of me. Oh, I'll help you. I'll um, help you. Yeah, you, you're right on. Wildlife encounters I have there. The tree climbing, archery, boom. You're right uh-huh. on it, buddy. And then tr- there's also trails right there that people can hike. Yep, we've got um, a number of different trails out here that we've, it's just mowed grass. We will have a trail map that everybody can have so they can see, you know, where they want to go hike. And we will have a, uh, a trolley giving uh, a, about a 15-minute ride kind of through the heart of the property uh, that people can jump on there and, and ride around. Um, we will have some food. We'll have food for the first, I don't know, probably a 1,000 people uh, so that we have hot dogs uh, and chips and uh, I think some apples available cool. for that. And uh, we'll have little uh, water bottles and water available for everybody. Um, nice. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like you've got your bases covered. So this is definitely a family event. You're going to have kids' games. The nature scavenger hunts, are those more for kids or adults as well? I mean, it, it's mostly geared towards uh, families with, with younger children mm-hmm. uh, in the, you know, grade school, junior high kind of area, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, and um, we will also have lumberjack games. I forgot about that. We'll have like a tree cookie toss. We'll have the cross cut saw races going and uh, log rolling as well. Cool. So, um, yeah, bring bring your kids. Um, and uh, most of these activities are educational in nature, but they they are a lot of fun. Now, speaking of kids, you got me thinking. Are you going to be able to bring Rose? 
<laughs> you know, I thought about that, but I'm going to be so busy just trying to keep an eye on things. My right. my wife actually asked me that the other day. She said, do you want us to come? And I said, well, I'd, I'd like you to come, but don't, you know. Dad's not going to be able to spend much time with you. Yeah. Not really. Yeah, but. yeah. But still, they could come and have fun and, you know, see Dad every once in Absolutely. a while. As, as long as Dad's not in a scary, smoky outfit or anything like that, you know, going, who the <laughs> heck are you, right? No, but... Right. Uh, yeah, that's cool, and so definitely family-oriented people, and and, I, and you would say, Aaron, with the 900 people that showed up in 2019, um, were half of them kids or families, or was it mostly families? It was mostly families, cool. uh, which was great, Yeah, and because uh, we had put it out there. I mean, it's a free event uh, geared towards kids, and, you know, there's not a lot of those things out there, and I think people are, are happy when these kinds of events are going, so... Please do bring your kids out, and it's just a good chance to to see it someplace you don't normally get to go out to. That's that's really pretty neat uh, and unique in in Nebraska here, and then have some opportunities to to get connected with nature a little bit more. Yeah, that's a good point. The the Horning State Farm folks is managed by the Nebraska Forest Service, which is Aaron, and Aaron uh, managing that property oh, along with Andrew and and who uh, what other employees can you give a shout out to? Uh, we can give a shout out to Olivia and Hank, who were our students this summer. They did a great job helping us awesome. keep the property in good shape. Good deal, good deal. Yeah, and uh, so, folks, this gives you, the public, a, a, an a access to this property, like Aaron said, which you normally wouldn't have, and and kind of kind of open your eyes, going, "Wow, I didn't realize this place even existed." It's a little bit south of Plattsmouth, around three miles south of Plattsmouth, and if you don't know where Plattsmouth is, that's just a little bit south of Omaha. And Aaron, do you guys have a map available for people by chance, if to find out I, I where? I would the, check our Facebook page. Okay. Um, I think Ben will probably post something related to that. But, um, yeah, Plattsmouth is pretty much like the intersection of Highway 75 and Highway 66, like you said, just south of Omaha. And then we're south of Plattsmouth just a little bit. There is a lot of construction on Highway 75 because they're widening it to four lanes. Oh. So um, plan to watch your map navigation uh, to get yourself to the right place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I see here on the... We should be posting some maps about that. Sure, sure. And folks, you can always just Google 2106 Horning Road, I'm assuming, right, Aaron, and take you right to it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Horning Farm, we're, we got listed with Google and everything, so where they where they have us is, is accurate. Good. Just uh, <laughs> make sure that, like I said, watch the road construction signs. You're going to want to go to the intersection of 66 and 75 and come in from that way. Okay. I think Google Google Maps was still trying to put you down um, Wiles Road, which is now closed. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, again, you guys will... Facebook's the, the best place to find that. Would we just type in uh, 20... 2022 Forest Festival Family Fun Night, or what would we type Probably in? Nebraska. Do Nebraska Forest Service, okay. and it should be pinned on our Facebook page there. And they can even go to uh, Nebraska Forest Service's website, which is um, nfs.unl.edu, and there should be information there as well. We'll have some signs out on the road, too, that say forestry events, so just follow those as well. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and out there at Horning State Farm, you can find uh, an array of habitats, grassy picnic areas to hang out and eat, and, mm-hmm. you know, lots of shade trees, of course. Uh, they have uh, an arboretum where some cool young trees are growing and older trees. I'm curious, Aaron, uh, in wildlife areas, of course, native woodlands, planted oak savanna, just all sorts of basically Nebraska's nature. And so... Um, the tree that you guys are doing the climb in is that have you done that in the past then or is this the first time you've done tree climb well we've done this we've done this since i want to say 2018 okay and uh it's a nice burr oak that we'll be climbing in cool it's like we got i'm looking at it right now looks like we got about eight ropes in the tree nice so it is a first come first serve kind of thing on the tree climb because it's usually pretty high demand and we can only get so many people up in the tree. So get here early and get your, we do have a waiver you need to sign to get up in the tree. So get here early and get in line for the tree climb if that's what you want to do. Too cool. Yeah, that sounds like a, a fun activity for kids and adults, right? I imagine you have just as many adults go up in the tree climb the kids. Uh, I think I think we are limiting it to the kids. Just well, good for you. That, that way there's no lines, right? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. At least it lessens the line and, and, uh, it's pretty tough climbing these trees, I'll tell you, as, a, as an adult myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. A, yeah, that's funny. And, of course, with the kids up in the tree, I mean, come on, great photo ops for you to, uh, to get of your kids up there. And, and uh, mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're old enough to where you trust them with the phone, they can take some cool pictures for you when they get up into the tree, I guess. Uh, yeah, yep. why not? Why and not? speaking of pictures, we'll have a selfie station set up with some uh, forestry gear that you can... Uh, pretend that you're a, a lumberjack and, and take some pictures. Oh, cool. <laughs> you guys have thought of everything. Good work, yeah. And uh, I'm glad you gave a shout-out to Jack Hilliger. Uh, Jack and you have done uh, a lot of work with this, and, uh, you know, it's coming and to... And Ben Bohall as well. Oh, and Ben as well. All right, awesome, Ben. And, yeah, good work, all three of you guys. And, and I know it's not just you three, but you're kind of like the, 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 the one steering the ship anyway. Um, somebody's got the stern, somebody's got the bow. <laughs> and then the, yeah. then there's somebody in the middle, too. Uh, so it, that's really cool. And, and I'm busy with the plant sale, Aaron, and getting ready. We You know, September's just a busy month. Otherwise, I guarantee you I would have helped you, but uh, I just had to, couldn't do it. So Understand, no problem. Maybe next year we'll see if it happens. All right, Aaron. Well, let's see. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what happens on a day-to-day basis out at Horning State Farm? I think a lot of folks, don't, first of all, don't realize that it exists, but what is it there for? So, oh, excuse me, I swallowed a bug. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> a little gnat flying in my face. Oh, man. Uh, so Horning Farm used to be a tree testing uh, farm back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And now that funding for that kind of work has uh, changed, we're now using this, this property as a forestry demonstration center. So there's lots of different forests. I mean, we're so we're out here managing these these stands of trees uh, for wildlife and, and other potential goals that other landowners might have. And so uh, there's just a bunch of different uh, examples of management techniques where oh. You know, we're taking care of invasive honeysuckle that's encroached into the woods, or we're trying to increase acorn production in the red oaks, or we're trying to um, plant new black walnut trees in existing forests because maybe you're wanting to, you know, grow some timber 
Um, we're managing grasslands and we're, we're reestablishing um, oak savannas. So there's just a lot of ground that we've got to take care of in, in various different ways. So cool. uh, we're, we're land managers and we're just trying to, to be an example for people if they have land that they, you know, want to do something with, but they're not quite sure what to do or how or what that even looks like. They can come out here with their forester or make an appointment and kind of see some examples. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, what what Aaron's referring to, folks, the research that was going on in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, that's the uh, Walt Bagley research where they were doing uh, provenance studies. And what that means is he was collecting seed or obtaining seed from various sources to, uh, to test those trees, like, for example, the ponderosa pine might have been one, and ponderosa pine grows in the Pine Ridge and up in the Niobar Valley, but it also grows in states like uh, Montana and Colorado and Wyoming and down south into New Mexico and Arizona. What if we get seed from all these different places and see, is there a diamond in the rough that grows better than others, right? Is that kind of, in short, what we're looking yeah. for with the with yeah. the tree stands, tree, tree stand improvement or whatever? And, and some of those stands, yeah. Aaron, have kind of come and gone, haven't they, where, oh, pine wilt, I know, came in there and knocked some things out, and, and so that opened up space for new things. Are are those, when those trees go out, I mean, do you have the time, the resources to, to reinvest in something else in those areas, or how does, how is that working where, if, if something's like done, you know what I mean, like yeah. whether they die or you just no longer need them as part of an experiment, what do you do with that piece of land then uh, to, to move sure. on? And that's always a big question. You know, what do you do with the blank slate? Um, and so we'll work with our foresters and talk about what, you know, what, what do we want to showcase for that example or for that place? Luckily, um, we've only really lost all the scotch pine and some of the mm. other pine trees that were kind of on the edge of their ranges. So that opened up an area where our arboretum is now, where we showcase uh, different specimen trees. The rest of the stands are still pretty... You know, they're pretty um, stocked, if you will. There's some other trials mm-hmm. that have faded, and, and maybe honeysuckle has now invaded those. And so uh, we use those for to demonstrate how to, to manage the honeysuckle. Or like I mentioned with the, the oak savanna creation or maybe the walnut um, establishment, we'll go into those areas and put in trees that are, quote-unquote, more desirable, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and then there's other areas, like uh, we haven't even talked about our hazelnut, agroforestry demonstrations or our pecan uh and chestnut alley cropping where Mm. you know now you can take this area and uh turn it to some other productive use where you can get materials or food out of them so um sometimes we look at stuff like that yeah so uh i didn't realize that you've planted some pecans and chestnuts as well uh out there recently yep cool Mm -hmm. well it's been a while uh i want to say Troy planted some of that stuff back in 2010, 2012, oh, okay. and then we replanted some stuff in 17 and 18, and we just grafted a bunch of the pecans this spring. Oh, good. So they were just seedling northern pecans, and mm-hmm. we worked with the North uh, Nebraska nut growers to get scion wood of good cultivars, and then we grafted a whole bunch of those. Sweet. Um, and so that's west and south of the hazelnut plot. 
Okay, yeah, so someday you're going to have a plethora of pecans as well, or should I say pecans, people? Come on, man, I'm not from Texas. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that's cool. And, and and so when you say alley cropping, are you saying like in the, the pecans, the row of pecans or whatever chestnuts you would have in between the hazelnuts, or are you saying just any old alley? So um, in our situation... In okay, a typical alley cropping is you have your rows of trees, and then in between you have some other crop. Okay, whether it's going to be an annual crop or some other perennial crop that's smaller than the trees that you can take um, production from while you're waiting for the trees to grow. And in our case, it's hay. We just have um, grass out there that gets hayed, and uh, we have a person who rents that ground, and they I think he's uh, feeding the horses that he boards, cool. and so we're getting the the money from that while we're waiting for these trees to grow up you could do wheat you could do corn you know i wouldn't want to do uh the you know spray over top with herbicide type of corn because that drift would be pretty tough but if you're doing conventional like like older style corn or some other crop heck we could be doing hemp i mean there's really no you know no uh limit to what crop you put in there uh, while you're waiting for these trees to grow up Hmm. including hazelnuts right (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, that give you a pretty fast turnaround. So, in other words, people coming out to Forest Fest this Friday from four till eight, um, they could go look at these plots. That's part of the tours, or what? We won't have a guided tour for that this okay. year. Um, just again, because we were kind of like we wanted to focus on the the younger kids, uh, just kind of getting them to know yeah. connected with nature. And so these areas are available. Um, it's just a staffing issue too. We don't have enough people to be to lead tours. And in the past, when we've done tours, we've had maybe like one or two people want to do that. So gotcha. they're they're out there. You just got to go for a little walk, and you can see what that looks like. Cool, cool. Yeah, because yeah, by now you have some pretty sizable hazelnuts people can go look at, right? If I'm if I'm remembering yep. correctly. Yeah, it's all a blur. I remember planting those uh, prior to you getting there with Troy. Gosh, I don't know. It's probably been a solid decade ago. And uh, Mm -hmm. wow, what a trip. How time flies when you're having fun. And speaking of time flying, Aaron, this is the fastest hour in radio. And I got to I'm going to keep you on the line and I got to take a quick break here for a couple couple minutes or so to do station business. And uh, when we come back, let's talk about, uh, well, maybe we'll, we'll highlight a little more of the Forest Fest and then maybe switch gears and talk about the, the hazelnut research a little bit and uh, the work you're doing at Prairie Pines. Give a shout out to Prairie Pines as well. All right. All right, buddy, you hang on the line. All right, folks, you're listening to How's It Growing right here on KZUM Lincoln. That is Aaron Clare. He's the properties manager for the Nebraska Forest Service. I'll be right back right after these messages. Keep it right there. This is KZUM. Oh, there is a rhythm to your feeling. Oh, nature, we love you. All right, a little more Big Al Anderson for you doing his song, It's Only Natural. Welcome back to How's It Growing? Every Wednesday, 11 till noon right here on KZUM. Hi, I'm Bob Hendrickson. I'm with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, and I'm speaking with Aaron Clare. He's the properties manager with the Nebraska Forest Service. Welcome back to the program, Aaron. Oh, man, we one of the, the things we run during our little break there is uh, live music this, wing, this week in Lincoln. And during COVID country, 
my oh my, man, it was like nothing. And now it's like, wow, there's like a minute and a half of announcements of different music that's taking place. So yeah, unless you're living under a rock people and you want to see live music, it's out there. And Lincoln is a great place for live music. All right, Aaron, uh, we're talking about the 2022 annual Nebraska Forest Services Forest Festival Family Fun Night. You guys threw a lot of Fs in there. You're trying to trying to twist <laughs> that tongue, didn't you? Uh, yeah, Forest Fest, it, for short, uh, taking place this Friday from 4 till 8 p.m. out at Horning State Farm. You can find a map um, at uh, Nebraska Forest Service's Facebook page, which you should be following anyway. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and if people are like, some people are really not very good at maps, Aaron, but uh, they'll find their way out there. You're going to have some signage, too, when you get close. Um, yep. And, and, of course, if you do get close and you're running a little late, maybe you get out there at 5, 6 o'clock, uh, you're going to find, just look for the cars. <laughs> right, Aaron? Just, yep. look, just look for the cars. You'll see, you'll see that mass humanity. And they'll have people there to help you park and all that jazz. So really easy, friendly, family fun night. Bring the kids. Uh, and m- maybe uh, if you don't have kids, you have nephews or nieces or grandkids whatever neighbor kids or just bring yourself to yeah or just bring yourself exactly exactly and so you are going to have some food available for folks a hot dog meal but uh would you tell us to just in case plan a picnic like bring can you can you do that can you bring your own food oh absolutely yeah if you want to heck if you wanted to grab something in town and bring it out that's fine we don't have any vendors here so nobody's feelings will be hurt um we just wanted to provide something for for folks and and so we we were able to to put together the hot dog meals um but yeah no you're free to bring any you know don't bring alcohol to university property and so this is an alcohol free event but uh any other food you want to bring feel free and we'll have we have a few picnic tables but we'll have tables and chairs and and there's plenty of room to spread out if you want to do that for sure no doubt no doubt you can always bring your own little comfy comfy sports chair whatever your your fold-up chair or blanket if you wanted to make it a picnic with the kids that'd be kind of a cool thing for you to do in a beautiful setting and uh, um, nice weather on uh, that friday evening it's just going to be an awesome event so uh, again the forest festival family fun night this friday 4 till 8 p.m at Horning State Farm. And so, Aaron, uh, let's move on a little bit here. I know you had mentioned the hazelnuts earlier doing, uh, you know, when I have you on the show, we always kind of look for an update and there may not be an update to talk about, but you do also have hazelnuts planted out at the other property that you manage outside of Lincoln. And uh, this one's a little closer, folks. And uh, we talk about prairie pines and Prairie Pines Nature Preserve um, out at 112th and Adams, former property of Walt and Virginia Bagley. And Aaron manages that property as well. And Aaron, is there any events at all coming up? You can. I know the uh, uh, Run for the Pines has already happened. And from what I saw on social media, that looks like it was a good, you know, not having Sue here on the line, but uh, Sue Colas, who uh, uh, organizes that event, or at least helps. Um, how did that event turn out? I believe that it went well. I, I had to be somewhere else that day. Um, you know, it was hot again. <laughs> right. But I think that they had a good time, and I didn't hear about anything bad happening. And then we had uh, community crops had their feast on the farm oh, yeah. weeks after that as well. And I, I did attend that, and that seemed like there was a really good turnout. Good. Um, 
And then I believe they're having <clears throat> a Tree Your Mind Wellness Festival on September 24th at Prairie mm. Pines. Cool. Yeah, that's. Just... I don't remember what the time is for that, but I, it's probably um, most of the day. Prairie Pines is always open on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Just so the, the trails are open, and you can go out and walk around and do the Nature Ninja course if you'd like. But I think the 24th, they're going to have vendors and other activities uh, that are related to wellness. Uh, you know, that you get from being in the woods. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of like forest bathing or just, you know, the, the pickup and um, the benefits that you can receive from just going out and immersing yourself in the woods and just sitting there and, and uh, letting your blood pressure drop, you know, and <laughs> yes, let those good feelings soak in. Yeah, it says here, connect to the frequencies of nature as we practice yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and more among the trees of prairie pines. That's pretty cool. Do you know who's leading that thing, the uh, yoga classes and whatnot, meditation? Is there anybody leading that? I suppose there is. They got some I really don't know. I, that's, that's uh, you have to... You have to have Sue on the show or just uh, reach out to uh, info at prairiepines.org, I think, is what their email is. Cool, cool. Um, and, yeah, you can get more information there or visit their website, prairiepines.org, and there should be more information there. But you, you did get that correct, though. The date is September 24th, folks. That's a Saturday. Uh, anytime between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., as Aaron mentioned, and... Hopefully by September 24th, we won't be talking about 90s anymore, right, people? Come on, man. Yeah, and so uh, yeah. if you haven't made it out to Prairie Pines, a great time of year to be out there, that's for sure. You're late September, perfect time of year to be out at Prairie Pines Nature Preserve, of course, as well as Horning State Farm. And so, Aaron, uh, so with the hazelnut research that uh, you've ongoing with the Nebraska Forest Service, um, you, uh, where are you at with the hazelnut research now? It seems to me um, the last grant, there was, there was not funding for a grant or something like that. Give me an update on where you're at for, yeah. for the uh, hazelnut research. So we just recently wrapped up a, a five-year grant from the USDA's Specialty Crop Research Initiative. So that, that grant funding is done for the time being. And uh, what we've been focusing on lately, uh, it, well, so under that grant, every year we were planting around 1,000 to 1,500 new seedlings, either out here at Horning Farm, and then we started planting some at Prairie Pines to screen them for disease resistance and uh, uh, climate adaptations, as well as uh, looking for those ones that have the nice big nuts and good yields that we can move on forward in our breeding program to eventually release to the public. So that was going on, and now we're what we're doing is uh, we've identified some top selections in our fields here at Horning Farm that we are propagating uh, via mound layering. So this is asexual propagation of these trees to produce clones then we can then move on into this next round of testing we would call um, replicated yield trials. So we've looked at them in the field and said, okay, this one's better than, seems better than the other ones around it, but it's not in a typical production setting where you uh, are maximizing the, the production of the plant. So then we'll clone these, move them over to another uh, planting, different part of the field, wider spacing, train them to a single stem tree, 
and then uh, observe them for the next, you know, five to seven years. That's about how long it takes for for hazelnuts to get into uh, good production. Once, but then we can compare apples to apples between plants on um, how well they they perform, and then at that point we can kind of say, all right, this one's ready to either be released, and then at the same time we're also sending these to collaborators in different parts of the country to see how well they do in other climate zones. And uh, uh, interestingly, New Jersey has the most uh, disease pressure for this disease called Eastern filbert blight that we're mm. breeding against. And so we'll send it out there to see how well it holds up there. Cool. But mostly um, we're just into this, this second phase of, of propagating the top selections and spreading them around for further evaluation. And um, I did get a specialty crop block grant uh, in 2019, which I'll be wrapping up soon this year too, to establish some test plots around Nebraska. And so that's when I sent the plants out to, oh, okay. to the maize, a guy down in uh, a place down by Minden and Northeast Nebraska, Ord. So, and then some other states, like we sent some to Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, West Virginia, Tennessee, New York, Ohio. And so we're we're watching those plants now to see how well they perform in those different areas. Wow! So there's uh, more of that, uh, like you say, re- replicated uh, cloning that plant, the uh, the mound layering, and to to get roots to form along the stem. Then you dig the plant up, and then you have to ship it. Man, it's, so people, you thought growing plants took patience. Uh, try introducing a new plant, right, <laughs> or a new a, a new hybrid, a new crop. It's like, phew, it takes some serious patience. So you're telling me, Aaron, that these these uh, um, plants that you've identified as being kind of the cream of the crop kind of rising to the surface above all these other seedlings that you planted um you'll still keep those other seedlings there it's not like you destroy those plants because you want their pollen too right um to help pollinate those new ones and so um are you saying then that these these ones that you're propagating now for further evaluation are different than the ones you've already got out in the trade? Because uh, we, we do have to talk about those. But So these are, would you say, even better than what's currently out there or just uh, something similar and kind of diversifying the, the selections? Or, or do they offer a whole lot more than, than the two that I know of? Uh, one, folks, is called the Beast and another one's called Grand Traverse. And I know both of those are available through Great Plains Nursery. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can just type in Great Plains Nursery and find those. And Aaron would love it if you planted some and got a hold of him and said, dude, man, I've got nuts coming out of my ears in about uh, <laughs> five years, right? What, do, what am yeah. I going to do with all these nuts? Well, Throw them to Heartland Nuts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but to answer your first question, you know, that's always the goal of any breeding project is to have something better than what you already had because then what's what's the point? Right. Um, uh, yeah. And at this point, though, too, we just we also just need more varieties uh, to help overlap pollen distribution in the spring. Gotcha. You know, we had a wacky spring this year that kind of messed up some of the some of the pollination. So, yeah, but, but really the, the main goal is to find stuff that are better and and yeah we only have the two uh you know oregon has plenty of cultivars but they don't really grow well here they really struggle and so uh we've got the two right now and and yeah so these these are all um better and they're different you know so grand traverse was a was a hybrid between 
the European hazelnut and a Turkish tree hazel. Mm. And then the beast was European hazelnut with American hazelnut. Okay. Most of the ones we're looking at now are uh, American and European crosses because the American hazelnut is the most well-adapted to the eastern part of the country, and it's the toughest against the eastern filbert blight because, heck, it evolved with it. It mm-hmm. hardly even, doesn't even bug it. Gotcha. So those that's the primary. Uh, that's kind of what the the people before me kind of whittled it down to say this is where we want to be because there's, there's like 13 different hazelnut species out there. Wow. Um, and so we're working with just Avalana, which is the European, and Americana, which is the American hazelnut. And so, yeah, these, these should be better. Um, we're looking, trying to get the nut size bigger, but also the yields. We're trying to do three traits at the same time, the disease resistance, the nut size, and the nut yield. Um, I guess you could say four with the climate, just so that they're cold hardy too. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot to work on, but um, yeah, we're trying to, yeah. these should be better. We don't want to just stop right. with Grand Traverse and the Beast. And I'm also curious, Aaron, I don't know if anybody's ever analyzed, okay, so you've got the American hazelnuts, which we've talked about before. The nuts are small. They're hard. They don't come out of the, uh, whatever that casing, involucre, or whatever that casing is called yep. around the cell and the, or the nut. And then, you know, like I say, the nuts are small, difficult to crack, blah, blah, blah. So, okay, you're not going to be for commercial use, yada, yada. And then we, we've got this larger nut. Has anybody, like, like examined the, the the mineral content or the vitamins, whatever the nutrition of that nut meat compared to the mm-hmm. straight species or the oil content, is that also in those hybrids uh, just as high as it would have been in the straight species or higher? Do you bother to to look at that? I guess I'm curious about like because I know at not one point. Within, you, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say not not to the degree where you're. Your, your thought process is taking you. Uh, in the past, we um, had evaluated the oil profile and uh, nutrient profile of some some hybrids from um, Arbor Day, the Arbor Day planting down in Nebraska City at the oh. Weed Lodge. Okay. So we did look at those plants, mostly compared to other oils. So like we were comparing hazelnut oil to soybean in terms of could it be used for biodiesel or okay. hazelnut to olive oil in terms of its sat, you know polyunsaturated and, and omega threes and all that stuff. Okay. And so it's basically compared to other stuff. We haven't done the work, and I don't know if there is enough demand for this yet because the question has been asked of us from the people who did that work: Do we want to look at this? And and the consensus right now is that, hey, we're really just focused on trying to get more plants mm-hmm. uh, out there. I think that the my hunch is that the, the oil profiles aren't going to change that much. I agree. Uh, within these plants, uh, that it's probably pretty, you know, pretty the same. Right. And so that, that work hasn't been done, but that doesn't mean it, that that wouldn't be beneficial some other time. I think For sure. um, hazelnut oil is, is really good as a cooking oil, and I think that's where it's probably going to be best used yeah and if i remember right when we chatted in the past hazelnuts are very nutritious too and uh, i know i've read Mm -hmm. where uh, black walnuts which love them or hate them people there's black walnut haters and there's black walnut lovers i'm a black walnut lover love them and uh, i think i read that it has oh gosh what was it more carbohydrates than any other nut the good carbohydrates um 
than any other nut out there. So black walnuts, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Heartland Nuts and more. And our friends Heather and Brian Byers kind of taken over that. That's awesome. And uh, it's just great to have them to work with as you're as you're moving forward with your hazelnut hybrids and that they're mm-hmm. they're basically saying we'll be that source so people can get them and really want you listeners to pay attention maybe you know somebody that has an acreage or you could 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 i plant some in town like at my own property and i'd probably need some serious space because i'd can i plant like three of them relatively close together two or three close together and let them all kind of let the pollen all kind of pollinate each other yeah. and still find room in my backyard I mean, yeah, I have two in my front yard. I have I have one of each of the Grand, Tra- Grand Traverse and the Beast. Um, I'd love to have them spaced at 20 feet, but I think I've got them spaced about 13. Okay. And so, you know, we're going to see they're about four or five, five years old now, I think. And, you know, the crowns aren't touching yet. In fact, <laughs> the winter kind of knocked back my Grand Traverse, disappointingly. So. Huh. Uh, it's been set back a little bit, but mm-hmm. I have those two in the front yard, and then uh, probably about 40, 50 feet to the north, I planted some that I got from Arbor Day, some seedlings. So you, these could be ones you get from the NRD, um, and I kind of planted them in a little hedgerow, and so I'm just letting those grow together as a bush, where the other two I'm training as trees. And, I see. And those, those, that hedge should provide me some extra pollen as well. So, yeah, uh, to kind of answer back to your question, as long as you can give them I would say a minimum of 10 foot spacing, okay. but uh, 15 to 20 is better. So yeah, as long as you could get that much space, you could put, you know, as many as you can fit in that, in that area. You need at least one Grand Traverse and at least one beast at a bare minimum. And if you can get some other little random seedlings in there or, or other cultivars as we develop them, which will be a little while, uh, then that's even more ideal. Yeah, I asked that because I planted some at a friend's house. Oh, gosh, it's been a couple of years ago, Rich, if you're listening. And we, the only fo- unfortunate thing where we had to put them was, was the space is why we put them there. But, you know, it was shaded quite a bit by a tree on the west side. So more shade than I certainly would have liked to have seen. But I also know that hazelnuts are pretty shade tolerant. So I knew the plant would do well there. Uh, it's just not as full and dense as it would be in full sun. And certainly it's going to... That, that part right. shade is also going to affect fruit production, and I knew that. But I, you know, I thought, man, it'd be a cool look anyway. Um, love hazelnuts yeah. just as a landscape plant, woefully overlooked and underutilized. So, would you say your hybrids that you have in your front yard? Do you look at them and say people could plant this as an ornamental small tree? And if so, why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say it's going to be about the size of a crab apple. Cool. You know? uh, so I could have easily put that in the parkway if. If I had one that met the, the city's requirements for an inch caliper trunk and everything, mm-hmm. easily could have done that. Um, yeah, they're, I'm putting them there because also it's going to screen, you know, I kind of wanted to screen the street from my house. So yeah. uh, they're going to do just fine there. So, yeah, you know, Amer maple size, smaller Amer maple, cool. uh, crab apple size, probably top out around 15, 20 feet. And Aaron, I also know you, you talked about training them into a single stem tree. Is that because hazelnuts uh, tend to grow multiple stems, you know, kind of a, a suckering mm-hmm. shrub, if you will. And, yep. and, the, and the hybrids, I imagine, do you have several stems that typically come out of the ground and you just have to prune those away so you have one stem remaining? Or how? Yeah. Do, 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. I picked I picked a happy looking stem and uh, cut back the other other stems to the ground, and you know they'll sucker uh, every year. And I just have to go snip those off, kind of mm-hmm. like you know you see your crab apples doing the same thing. Right. So um, I picked a nice stem, and then I kind of topped it essentially. I headed it back, and uh, then you know three or four, four to five. Um, uh, shoots that come off of that will now be your scaffold branches to kind of build that wine cup, you know, or uh, satellite dish kind of style of a of a of a tree form. So you get a lot of light penetration to the middle. Um, and so, yeah. Then after you've done that, you really don't have to do a lot until maybe another five or ten years later. You might go in and prune out some of the branches that are going into the middle to again kind of open up that center, and mm-hmm. then just keep those suckers down because it's just uh, like you said, they want to grow as a shrub, and that's fine. And for some people, that shrub may be the way you want to do it. Okay. I prefer the tree for two reasons. One is so that if you're able to let the nuts drop to the ground as they mature, then it's easier to harvest them that way. We, we do it out here at the farm. We have to bend the branches down to get to the nuts that are way at the tips. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, or they fall into the middle, and they're all stuck in the middle of the, the multi-stem shrub. Uh, the other uh-huh. thing is that um, every time they're growing these new suckers, that's energy and resources that aren't going to the already mature nut-bearing branches that mm-hmm. are, are older and up above. So it's, it's about maximizing uh, energy towards nut production. If you're not as worried about, you know, p- pounds and pounds of nuts, then just leave it as a shrub and don't don't really do anything with it until maybe 10 years into it, kind of like a lilac, you go in and you thin out the older canes kind of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool, cool. Well, that sounds great. Well, I'm looking, Aaron, I'm out of time there. I, we got to run. <laughs> well, I thank you so much, Aaron, for your time today and keep up the great work with your hazelnut research and managing the property out at Prairie Pines. And then, of course, Horning State Farm, folks, the annual Forest Fest taking place this Friday from 4 till 8 p.m. at Horning State Farm. Go out there and give Aaron a shout-out and tell him you love what he's doing. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, so much. I'll, I'll, I'll see you around there, kid. Thanks a lot, Bob. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right, that is Aaron Clare, the properties manager for the Nebraska Forest Service. Thanks again, Aaron, for your time. All right, people, I got to head on out of here. I'll be back next week for another rendition of How's It Growing? I hope you have a great week. And next week when we're talking, uh, it'll be the fall fun drive starts this Friday. So be ready for it. I'm going to be asking you to support this wonderful radio station, KZUM commercial free radio. It's alive and well right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. See you next week. Adios.